And we focused on one thing, and that was going to be, how do we explain the news? And our solution was card stacks, and we did it in the open. And there's good things about innovating in the open, and there are very bad things, in that you probably all saw us fail a bunch when we first started. Uh, but that's how we learned, and that's how we were able to, to grow, I think, a lot faster. Cell Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell, and I'm here with another piece of audio from the Association of Alternative News Media's annual conference. In fact, this is the last piece of audio from that conference, and, and it's a good one, too. It's a presentation by Yuri Victor of Vox.com. We featured Yuri twice on the podcast before. The first time he was in studio, and the second was from the Society for News Designs conference last spring. He was on the podcast episode featuring Vox editor-in-chief Ezra Klein. He talks about designing a digital newsroom. It's a fun little presentation. Before we start, a quick note. I'll be speaking about podcasting at the first ever Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference on Saturday, September 12th in Westville, New Jersey. I'll be joined by a bunch of podcasters talking about podcasting. If you're in the Westville area on the 12th, stop by. It should be a fun time. You can find out more about the conference at podcastmidatlantic.com. And now, Yuri Victor talking about how to design a digital newsroom. Enjoy. As you said, I'm Yuri Victor. I'm at Yuri Victor on the Twitters. Um, you can follow me. Uh, and I work for Vox. And uh, Vox is a new media startup. Um, and we're trying to solve the problem of news at scale. Um, and we're made up of a lot of different people. Our newsroom has reporters, editors, videographers, but we also have designers, developers, support, engagement, analytics, all of them in one newsroom. Um, we've only been around about one year, a year and a couple months now. Um, we've done more than 8,000 articles. Uh, 270 million sessions, 24 million uniques a month. Uh, we're number one in politics category, beating out places like CNN and Huffington Post. Uh, and we're top ten in digitally native news websites. And a lot of those websites have been around for like ten years. Um, and so to even make the list is pretty huge. It's kind of an interesting story how we started. Um, we actually started at the Washington Post. Uh, we took all the people who were upset and grumpy and wanted to, who got into journalism because they wanted to change the world and they couldn't because the newsroom would kind of block them. So we just kind of got some people that we wanted to hang out with, and we sat in a room every week for an hour and just talked about stuff and came up with ways to actually build better stuff. And we had a specific focus, and this focus was, I just want to build cool shit with cool people. And we wanted to launch really fast. So we'd have an idea, we'd get it out there on the Internet as fast as fucking possible, and then as soon as we got it out there, we would learn from that and iterate and make it better. And it was probably one of the most successful uh, innovation times in post-history. We were innovating faster, I think, than anyone in journalism at the time. We came up with things like uh, Truth Teller, which was live fact-checking a video, uh, Grid, which was uh, social at scale, uh, something like No More, which is how to do short-form storytelling in a way that works. Um, and actually... Card Stacks, which is one of the things we do at Vox, came out of that actual group, and we all left and went to Vox. And we took those values with us. Uh, we launched in nine weeks. We built an entire company, a website, hired an entire staff, uh, and we did all of that in nine weeks. And we focused on one thing, and that was going to be, how do we explain the news? And our solution was Card Stacks, and we did it in the open. And there's good things about innovating in the open, and there are very bad things, in that you probably all saw us fail a bunch when we first started. Uh, but that's how we learned, and that's how we were able to, to grow, I think, a lot faster. And uh, we started with a hack week. So we said, what can we do in one week? In one week, what kind of site can we build? So we kind of started designing a homepage. Uh, we launched without a nav or search or many of the other things that you see on, on most websites. 
but we really just focused on the card stacks. And as you can see from our hack week, this is what we built out, and the actual final product was almost exactly the same. We've done 115 card stacks now. If you're not familiar with card stacks, what they are is basically living documents so that we update them constantly. So if there's new information about a topic, we add that new information to the topic, and it's a kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. You can go as deep as you want, or you can go as shallow as you want, and just kind of focus on the, on the topics that you're interested in. Um, and it's been really successful for us. It makes up about 23% of our traffic. And the craziest number is that of the people who come to our website and read a card stack, 63% return to look for another card stack. And that brand loyalty is huge. You don't see that anywhere else in the industry. Um, so it's, it's just really simple. We get real, we launch, we listen to what people are saying, we measure and we prove. We've done tons and tons of new updates to card stacks. Um, but what we really call it is we call it P-I-O-T-S, put it on the fucking site. Um, and so this is one of like my favorite stories about Vox and just kind of how we work was there was uh, somebody who does, as a designer for our ad products, somebody who works on uh, SB Nation, who's a designer there, and our healthcare reporter, Sarah Cliff. And they were talking about cereal. And they are like, it's really fucking hard to follow all of these characters over this time frame. And so they said, you know what we should do? We should make a character map to help people understand what's actually happening in this. So three people, none of whose job was to do this, got together, and then they built it, and they put it on the fucking site. And it worked great. And it was able to actually help people follow the show. So what do we do and why? Um, I think that, as, you, as I believe, that news is not good for the web. Um, and there's a lot of problems with it, and, and you see this everywhere that you go. Uh, so when you're checking in a hotel, and this, actually, this hotel is actually great. It's, one of the, like, the, it's actually a nicely designed hotel. But in most hotels, what you do is you walk in, and to actually check in at the hotel, you've got to walk like, all the way to the back. You pass like, a, a bar, a coffee shop, a store, and then somewhere in the back, like hidden, is the actual place you want to check in. And that's really all you want to do, right? You've got your bags, you go through the revolving door with your fucking huge bags trying to get through there, and all the way in the back is this person, and almost every time they're standing behind either a big fucking bush or a huge lamp, so you can't even see them. You're like, is this where I check in? And to actually interact with this person, they have to come around the desk. So when they want you to sign something, they come around the desk, they hand it to you, and then they give you, like, your key. They have to go back, go all the way back around. And it's just completely it's, – it's awful. And it drives me crazy every time I see it. So I was really happy. Check-in was right there when I walked in. And you see this everywhere. Push and pull doors. The doors here weren't like that. I tried pushing. It didn't work. And you see, like, we're smart people, and so I feel really frustrated when it happens to me when I go to, like, push a door that looks like it should be pushed, and it doesn't fucking move. And I'm just, like, really fucking frustrated because I'm a smart person, and it happens to everyone. So we start to, like, we start to try to change the world, right? So we'll leave notes. Don't turn the fucking handle. Don't turn the handle. And then when all else fails, we leave a sticky, just in case you missed the first two. So, you know, we all know how to flush a toilet, except for this fucking one. Squeeze here. <laughs> All right, and then when that fails, we, we use duct tape. So you need more space in your car? How about we duct tape it? How about a mailbox? Duct tape. <laughs> and then we start to modify the world, right? Because we're smart people, and so we try to make it better. So the trash bag does not fit the trash can. We use clips. Need more space in your fridge? How about a clip? <laughs> and this one I, I really love is that the cups do not actually fit the container size. 
So what happens when they don't fit is this person has to actually go in. And this is really smart, right? This person came up with it themselves. They actually have to go and they put the another cup in there every time they change it. That's like a debt that every single time they put in new cups, they have to stick another cup in there so that it actually works. Can you imagine training a new employee and telling him this? <laughs> right? And then this actually happens in the real world is that here's a French company that spent 12 billion whatever and on trains and they're too wide for the track. Like, this happens in the real world, and it's really costly. And, and so, you know, we try to improve, and we come up with better ways. So here's a person who has to mop the floor, and they can't fit the mop container for the water into the sink, and so they're using a dustbin to actually shoot the water out down into this thing. Here's a person who's tired of drinking stale coffee, so they stacked two cups on top of each other, and you can just rotate the cup to say what time it started. The world is broken. So what does this mean for news? is that what actually happened was we had this limited space that forced us into this constraint, and that's how we started writing articles, right? So you get a page, and it has ads stacked to here, and you just take a story and you fucking lop it off right there. If you're bad, you should, you know, find better ways to, to edit. Um, but, so we come up with this, this way of this, like, you know, this inverted pyramid. So, you know, what the fuck just happened? And then we go to maybe a quote. And then if there's time, we give you some background information, if there's space. And the weird thing is on the web, we don't have that problem, but we just copied it. If you look at video on the web, it looks like video on TV. If you look at an article on the web, it looks like it came from a fucking newspaper. If you can go to your website and you can print it out and it looks exactly the same as what you can pick up on the stands, I think we fucking failed. So you end up with recency over understanding and the what and the where, not the why and the how. And that was one of the big impetuses between before our explainers. And we call it the what the fuck. It's the people that aren't sitting there checking Twitter constantly, aren't in front of a computer all day. You know, maybe they're a teacher, maybe they're in school, maybe they even are on their computer, but they can't actually follow the news. And they get home and they say, you know, what the fuck happened in Ukraine? I just want a button that says, what the fuck happened? Not that 10 people are dead. I, why did, what's even going on? And so that's how we try to structure our stuff is the, we call it the what the fuck. And so the way we tell stories is broken. I think that when we started off, you know, we have these paragraphs, you maybe a photo up top. Um, and it's not even the best way to write a story. When you, a story's first breaking, what do you have? You have, this just happened. And then you might have, okay, a quote. But you, then you have to write a transition between there, and you're trying to get it online, and maybe you're tweeting it out also. And so we start to structure stuff in just actual bullet points. And so if a story breaks, we say what we know, what we don't know, and then if there's extra information like, Somebody tweeted out a photo, and the photo is from 10 years ago. We'll try to actually disprove that. And we just use bullet points to start. We can fill in the transitions later. And when you start to think about that, like maybe the way that we like do journalism, maybe the way that we cover stories is fundamentally like flawed. It's for a, a, a service that we're no longer doing. And so here's like an example is like uh, King vs. Burwell. We did one that was 12,000 words, and we did one that was three sentences. And... Between both of those, they both did about equally well. So how about an example? We got to interview the president. We were the first online site. BuzzFeed came right after us. They're not rare. A lot of magazines also feature the president, but they all look the fucking same every single time. So we have three things we do at Vox. Be proud of what makes us weird, take a visual approach, and we add value. And that takes a lot of preparation. We drew over every single wall in the office. We redid the map room completely because um, we wanted to put a black format so you could pan out on the president and actually do 
different graphics behind him to actually explain what he was talking about while he was talking about it. We changed this all the way up until the last fucking second. Um, and then we were actually able to do these really immersive things. So we could actually show the president doing things and actually explain what he was talking about while it was happening. And people said this was groundbreaking. It was a new way to tell stories. And it's just being fucking weird is what it was. Um, so how do we do it? We have a few pillars. We rebuilt our entire organization. We got a chance to start from scratch, so it was really nice. And everyone sits in the newsroom. That's my desk, and I'm sitting right in front of Ezra Klein and Melissa Bell, um, even fucking Raptors. Because um, the org chart is a design document. If you have an org chart, it's all about going up, right? You, this is your boss, and this is your boss's boss. It reports to this boss. It's all about going up. But what about going fucking sideways? You have to go up and then all the way back down, and that is really not good. So we believe that important activity comes from teams. So if I'm a developer or designer, I should be able to go and talk to a reporter without having to go up and all the way back down. And that's where our best work comes from. If you want to talk about where all the cool stuff is happening, it's not happening at the Ezra level. It's not happening at the Melissa level. It's happening on the small team levels. It's the people who make the character map. And we kind of call it, like, this, you know, there's three different sections. We have advertising, we have product, and we have content. And we all kind of meet in the middle, and we all share resources and try to help each other out. And that's really where the magic is. And then we communicate smarter. Um, we document everything. So if I get sick and I have to leave a project, anybody should be able to jump in that project at any time. Everything is documented. We, uh, we get everybody in chat so that everything is democratized. There is no secret meeting where decisions happen. Every decision happens in the open. If you, wanna, if you see somebody's story and you say, hey, I thought of a better headline, you just drop it in. Everybody knows, and you can join any chat room and help each other out. And we make lots of lists. Every project we have, we make lists. Lists save lives. We build in stages, so first use, it might take you know, one week, two weeks to do something, so if we're doing a big investigative project, um, that's how we do it. Sometimes it's not reusable, but we just did a massive one on healthcare, on central line infections, which was really great. Um, this next time, what we're able to do is we did, the data's gonna change, but we can take that mapping that we did and make that reusable every time. And then the third time, it should just be a tool that reporters can use. So I don't ever have to do any of our charts or maps or anything, there's a tool for people to do that. And then, even better than a tool, just a one-click button. You click a button, you're done, you're good to go. And so we've got about 40 tools for reporters now, um, and tools for everyone. So part of what I do is I build tools for designers, I build tools for developers, I build tools for, for everyone. Um, and now I build tools for you. Uh, we just open source something called Autotune. Uh, it's an open source tool for making tools, uh, and all the tools in there are open source, so you can use all of our stuff now. Um, you can use it in your newsrooms. Uh, there's things in there like uh, making uh, memes, all sorts of different stuff, charts, image slider, quiz, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, then have support. Um, this is something I didn't really understand the value of until I got to Vox, is because support was always like some other thing. Um, or it was like an editor, and who the fuck supports editors? Like middle management is like the, like the, the class of just like complete non-existence at most papers. Once you become a middle manager, you're just basically lost. Nobody fucking helps you. You get no advice, and then that is really, really horrible. So we all try to support one another um, because support is not one person. Support is everyone. So um, what I really do is I actually support journalists at Vox by helping them tell stories. And sometimes that's a tool. Sometimes that's a long feature. And so how about an example? These fucking share images, if you put one of those with text on it, it increases your like Twitter and Facebook shares by like 300% or some shit, which is just ridiculous. But we had a designer spending a ton of time actually building these, and I wanted that designer to actually building like really cool shit, so I built a tool. 
I built a tool. Now, anybody can go, and this is also open source. You can get this if you want. It's used by newsrooms all around the world. Um, you can actually go. You just drag and drop, type your text, move it around, do all the things that you need to do. That freed that designer up. The designer went and made an audio quiz. So journalists, the, all the reporters are now making their own image source. So they're supporting this designer to actually go and build something new. So he builds an audio quiz, then makes a tool out of that audio quiz that then supports the journalism. And so it just all of these things become kind of cyclical where we're all supporting one another. And really it just comes down to putting caring first. And we call it the C's before the P's. Communication, collaboration, culture, context, caring, and community before projects, process, products, and plans. And when we look at the organizations that are succeeding, they're really the ones that are putting the C's before the P's every time. And that's the, that's the newsrooms that you want to work for, is the ones that people actually care about you. And it's, you know, it's really just about burning a loner's spark. I've seen so many people burn out in this industry and leave and never come back, and we lose them forever. So if I got just a couple minutes, I'd like to tell just one little last story um, about my first day at Vox. Um, when you first get there, they send out, it's the only email. We don't really use email, which is really nice. But it's the only email you get. On your first day, they send out an email saying, hey, your evictor just started, whatever. He you know, likes music or whatever the fuck I do. Um, and I started getting these email replies back saying, hey, do you have five minutes today? Do you have five minutes? Do you have five minutes from a bunch of people? People I, I've still to this day never worked with. All sorts of different departments. And, they, and they, we got on Google Hangouts, and every single one was the same thing. How are you doing? How's your first day? Do you need anything? How can I help you? Did you know we have free beer on Thursday? And it was one of those things that just, like, it just immediately clicked that that's the kind of culture that you want, is the C's, the people that cared about you and cared about my first day. So now anytime somebody new starts, I send them an email and say, hey, do you have five minutes? Anything I can help you with? And if we all do that to each other across the industry, we can make a better world, just asking, how can I help you? So thank you. I love all of you. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also download episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at All Journalism. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>